counter. I emptied a couple of fingers into a water bowl. She lapped at it contentedly until her left hind leg began quivering again. Moving over to the rug by the fireplace, she flopped down onto her stomach and began licking her front paws. I sat in the Morris chair on the porch and took a hit of scotch. There were three hours to kill until dawn. A shaft of moonlight emerged from the low, silvery clouds. The night air felt close. It reminded me of the hurricane seasons when I was stationed at Fort Benning in Georgia. Heavy weather on the way, I said to Bug while rubbing my knees. She looked up at me with her luminous chocolate eyes before flopping onto her side and letting out another low moan. I considered my own bout with melancholy. The first psychiatrist the army had assigned me during my court-martial had concluded that I was depressed. No medical training was required to figure that out. I had killed eleven men in Afghanistan, and three of them were on my own special operations team. A night doesn't go by that they don't visit me, their mutilated dead faces in full technicolor. The psychiatrist assured me that my depression was pathological and that it could be cured with psychotropic drugs. He was a born-again Christian and strongly recommended that I also let his Savior into my life. A second psychiatrist was assigned as part of the legal team defending me on the murder charges at my court-martial. She arrived at the same conclusion as the first one. I was depressed. Unlike the first shrink, she told me that depression was part of human nature, a gift to us ever since the Romans worshipped the god Saturn. Whenever you feel depressed, Major Cantrell, she said after our first session, welcome Saturn into your heart. Embrace him like an old friend. I took another swallow of Johnny Walker. After its fiery glow receded in my throat, I picked up a book from the stand next to the Morris chair. It was an old friend of mine, a pulp fifties paperback by John D. MacDonald. Between swigs, I tried to get through the first page. I thought about the Army-issued 1911 Colt 45 that was sitting in the hollowed niche next to the chimney. Over the years, the hand grips had been worn smooth. It would be so simple— a swift pressure of finger on trigger and the familiar whiff of cordite. Why not make my final count an even dozen? The jarring ring of the landline telephone came through the open porch doors. I decided not to answer. It kept on ringing, and I made a mental note to put in a voicemail message if I was still around on Monday. After a dozen rings, I got angry. Whoever was calling it obviously decided to let it ring forever. I went into the living room and picked it up. Officer Cantrell, came the timid voice. It sounded hoarse and urgent. This is Carlene. I know, I said, recognizing her voice. Carlene was one of the new provisional campus security officers and worked as a dispatcher on the midnight shift. You're needed here right away, she said. What time is it? A little after five? My shift doesn't start until eight, Carlene. I know, but this is an emergency. Emergencies were rare at St. Andrew's College. Our most recent one involved a female student majoring in pre-wed. After getting jilted by the captain of the hockey team, she had swallowed a handful of amphetamines and run amuck at the Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority. I asked Carlene if the girl had escaped from the county hospital. "'That isn't funny,' she said, her voice rising. "'You're needed here right away.' Carlene always seemed to be on the verge of tears." I recalled one of the other officers telling me that she was undergoing grief counseling after breaking up with her own boyfriend. 
an individual just called in from one of the blue emergency boxes to report that we have a deceased male individual on the campus, she declared with the kind of quasi-official jargon mandated by Captain Janet Morgo, the chief of the campus security force. Bug had followed me inside and was glaring at the phone as if she resented the intrusion as much as I did. It's probably a prank, I said. I don't think so, she replied, her voice getting shrill. It was a man on the phone. He hung up before I could ask him anything else. Why not call Captain Morgo? I came back, not wanting to drive into town after draining half a bottle of scotch. That's when she blew. I hate this job, she shouted into the phone. Why am I always left here alone at night? Calm down, Carlene, I said. Do you think I would be calling you if there was anyone else to handle this? Carlene yelled. Captain Morgo is on the road back from the conference in Albany, and I can't reach her on...